0: Coming to you from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepherd, Andy Routen, and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong
1: and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. It's the afternoon of Thursday, February 11th, 2021, and we are here in sunny but freezing Toronto, Ontario, Canada. A bunch of friends on our weekly Zoom call, and you're listening, and we appreciate it. Happy Chinese New Year to anyone out there who may be celebrating. It's going to be the year of the Ox. It's been an interesting week in basketball. It always is. I think we have to start uh, today with the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant is out with some controversy in the contact tracing protocol, but the Nets beat the Pacers Wednesday night 104-94. It's the 94 points allowed by the Nets and the 39.1 field goal percentage that they allowed that really caught my eye. Um, they actually played a bit of defense. Since Harden joined the Nets, they're only 8-6. and six. They ranked Close to last last in the league in defensive rating, at least going into that game last night. Shep, let's start it with you. Will talent win it eventually and ultimately? Will talent win out for the Nets?
2: Absolutely. I think when you're looking at this team, they're not just, it's not just talent. This is a super talent team. And um, I think, you know, they've had KD in and out, they've had Kyrie in and out, they had, you know, um, Harden. Pop in now, and they still haven't been able to play together and really get a rhythm. So, I think most importantly, these guys have to be able to mesh together, right? And, you, you know, there's always the question of can superstars play together? Harden hasn't really proved that. Kyrie's had his, you know, his discrepancies, and, and KD's usually a, a silent assassin. So, there's a lot of question marks there. But the reality is, if these guys are willing to play together and these guys want to play together, they'll make it work. It, there's gonna mm-hmm. be an adjustment. Like they've only played so many games together. These guys are used to having the basketball in their hand. They have to adjust it that and figure out how to play without the basketball. Where the defense is concerned, I'm not that concerned because at the end of the day, the team that scores the most is a better defensive team. So they'll be <laughs> spoken <laughs> like a true GM and CEO. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I
0: mean, look at the end of the day, uh, they're they're. They're the worst team in the league in points allowed by almost 250 points. Their defense is is atrocious. I mean, it, I don't think it's a, a real surprise given the given the offensive prowess that they have, and and who's in charge. I mean, you have Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni on the bench, two primarily offensive minded guys. So you know, defense is not going to be their main staple. Uh, the, the most staggering stat to me is that they're seven and eleven against teams with a record below 500. So. To me, that means that they're just not taking people seriously. You know, I think that for majority of the league right now, they're kind of just coasting until they, you know, the playoff picture starts to shape up a bit. And then I think they'll take it more seriously. But to Shep's point, I mean, they they haven't spent an enormous amount of time together on the floor. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's you're playing with three of the most scrutinized athletes in in history uh, of the NBA. Uh, you know, Kyrie with, the, with his off-the-floor stuff, you know, KD with the whole joining a super team situation to win a ring, uh, you know, James Harden not being able to win a, win a ring of his own with uh, on his own, uh, on his own too. And, you know, I, I think that they have time to figure this thing out. You know, they're by far and away the
1: most talented team in the East. And, and I think they'll get to the, uh, to the finals. No problem. It, Andy, it, it's interesting what you're saying, because I think that it, it speaks to um, an emotional aspect that could be lacking like the the seven and 11 against teams under 500 Mm -hmm. and maybe a lack of focus or effort in those games. I'm also seeing things more from Durant than anyone, but you see it from Kyrie all the time too. You have these little meltdowns and you see it publicly on Twitter. And I, you know, the, in the, the Toronto game, when Durant was on the floor, he came off, he started the game, he had to leave. Um, I I thought the nets who should have a lot more poise and focus Mm -hmm. as a team with, with a couple of players that good, I thought that they, they really melted down in that, in that scenario. And it makes me wonder in the playoffs, if they're going to be able to sustain, um, the emotional strength that you're going to require to get that far.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy to balance the egos. And I think that it's definitely harder given the fact of where we are in this day and age, you know, it's the age of social media. I think that their, their egos are more fragile than ever, you know, their contracts are also worth more than ever too. So at the same time, that's a very dangerous concoction because each one feels the need to kind of justify their worth on a nightly basis. And, and when they're not getting that done, it's, it's who do you blame? You know, where, where does the blame fall? And I think these guys being winners, they they all shoulder that responsibility individually. And, uh, you know, they're just trying to get on the same page. And once they do, I think it's going to be really scary if they can. You know, I I think that that's going to be the big thing is is can they stuff those egos away, you know, and a, a definitive leader.
1: Andy, we're uh, we're kind of losing you, so maybe you should uh, you should repatch in Shep. Wh- wh- why don't I? Why don't we go to you then? What I-, I feel like we went through this a little bit with the Miami Heat in 2010, that first year when it was uh, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Bosh. They seemed to struggle a little bit in the regular season. Why is it so hard for these teams to? figure out these first-rate elite players? Why is it so hard for them to figure out how to play together?
2: The, the reality is these guys are used to having the basketball in his hands. And you make reference to that 2010 Miami team. Now, when you think about it, Bosh, coming from, you know, the Raptors organization where he was the man. He was taking the last shot. D-Wade, I this has been my team. You know, he was used to taking the last shot. Uh, Braun coming from Cleveland, he is the last shot in the NBA. It makes a world of difference now when you throw these guys together, and you say, "Okay, play." You just toss the ball up and play. They have to understand uh, understand how to be deliberate, and who's actually going to be, you know, the alpha when when it's time not not just at the end of the game, but you know, at the end of shot clocks, and it's and at the end of quarters and so forth like that. And it's little plays like those where. If you're not all on the same page, that's one play, that's one play that you miss on. The team's gone to the other end. That's a bucket. You know what I'm saying? You have four of those in one game, that's a difference of eight to twelve points. And I think that's where you're you have to see you you give teams like that times to gel, time to gel and just be patient with them. And then you know everything will unfold itself. But I think if you if you're an NBA GM right now, if you're an NBA coach or a player in the NBA and the playoffs were sort to of start today, and you ask, do you want to see Brooklyn? I I will bet my last dollar they'll probably, they're more inclined to say probably not. So as much as you're seeing the struggle right now, the reality is that these guys are players and they're, they're proven. You have two top, two of the top 10 scorers in the NBA right now. And James Harden is not far behind as well Is he, this guy's averaging, I want to say 10 or 11 assists. So. It's 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 just gonna t- it's just gonna take time, and then you know those other guys are just as as important as well because some of them have have to take a step back as well. They have to make a sacrifice and understand their new role, which is all, you know, like like Andy said, it's one big concoction that has to be solved, and that's that's you know, per- the purpose of the regular season. You go through that, you stir that up until you get to the playoffs and figure it out then, but. I I definitely don't want to see them. It doesn't matter what team I'm on. I could be on a super team. I still don't want to see Brooklyn. Andy, turn on your mic.
0: Story of fucking 2021. Turn on your mic. God damn it. (laughs) All right. Let me ask you guys respectively. Who do you want taking a last shot? If you're Steve Nash.
1: Oh, it's Kevin Durant, man.
0: It's KD for me
1: all day. Like a hundred percent. It, if anything the I feel like durant in his mind he has to have this this competition in his mind with lebron right i mean i I look at LeBron and Durant as the two most talented players of this generation, but LeBron really is just so far ahead of durant um but we we saw it i think it was the twenty seventeen finals you know i think it was game transition. five. Yeah, and Durant, like right in LeBron's face, hits hits the yeah. dagger. I like, I for me, for Brooklyn, as as clutch as Kyrie has been, um, as as talented as Harden is, I don't think there's any question it's always K D getting the last shot. No?
0: Fair enough. You gotta think about uh, Kyrie I, hitting that I, you know, closing closing Golden State out and that three to one comeback too. Uh, he's He's very adamantly stated that he feels
2: the most comfortable in those roles, but I, I'm, I'm going with you, DG. I'm, I'm KD all day. I think I'm going with KD because the, the simple fact is a seven footer. He's rising above everybody for this shot. It doesn't matter who, who's, great point. Who he's playing against, playing against, yeah. right? So the only, the only thing between KD and that shot is himself. Because when he rises up, length, length of his arms, there's nobody else there. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's. Harden had, is proven as well. I think I'm giving it to everybody but
1: Kyrie because I don't know what's going to <laughs> Kyrie's mind at the time. But I just Kyrie, don't
2: know where his that's mind. That's That's a valid
0: concern at this point. In I time. just don't
1: know where he, his mind Kyrie is. Kyrie does it does have that one that one winning shot against Golden State. He did <laughs> hit the shot, so he's done it. He's, he's done
2: it. For his mind was clear then, though, and we, and that we we knew that then. We don't know that
1: right now, so we have to. We just have to, you know, take caution where where he's concerned. Well, Shep, there was one team in the past that I always knew who was getting the last shot, and that was a Syracuse team with with Andy Routens, and Andy was getting that last shot in those games. Yeah, right. I, I got to ask both of you guys, have you ever been in a situation where there's three players who are just so good, and, and I include you guys in that group, and it could be at any level you've been at, in college, um, playing professionally in Europe, maybe with Team Canada or even in your high school days and, you know, club games. It, have you been on a team that you considered a super team? And how how does it change the vibe for you to show up every day?
2: I think we are like our national team. We we probably didn't put it together. <laughs> but I in all of our heads, we believe that we we're a super team. And we all believe that we we're supposed to get that last shot. That was and our downfall too. That, <laughs> yeah. That was our democracy right? <laughs> Even when you ask that question right now, I'm naturally, my mind, just a competitor. I'm, I'm in a packed gym and I'm envisioning making that shot. And I'm already getting chills because the crowd is going to start coming, cheering and everything like that. And it's like, okay, well, I need to get the ball first to do it. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think every player naturally puts themselves into that into that moment and you just envision even before you catch the ball, you've envisioned it going in. You've envisioned, envisioned the crowd's reaction. You've envisioned, you know, your team. And you've envisioned how you're going to walk into practice that next day. Like, yeah, I'm not doing nothing. I'm, I am not <laughs> I <earned doing> this. <laughs> I, I earned this. I earned this. Today's off. Yeah. No, but it's, yeah, no, it's good. It's a good feeling, man. And then, you know, just you always feel like you can make that shot. When you know the, the better teams are the teams where even when that guy misses a the shot, they run over to collect him and just tell him like next game, like let's let's keep moving on. Despite mm-hmm. in the back of their head, they're saying I should have took that shit. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. I uh nothing really stands out
0: like crazy. My my last year in Turkey, uh, I would consider us a super team. We had the likes of Marcus Slaughter, who is was a EuroLeague champion, Manny Harris, he would play with the LA Lakers, Cleveland Cavaliers.
1: Uh, Keno Cologne,
0: who's a w- bucket, absolute bucket. He, that's what he's brought in everywhere in Europe to do. Is to just come but get buckets and save our Did he, ever, did our he ever not take the last shot? never not. No, no. Okay. But you know what? It makes we all trusted him because man,
2: he's a killer. Like he thinks differently out there. You know, you played with him at Michigan. I played uh, two years, two, two. Yeah, two years. It's funny. We actually mm-hmm. spoke this week, and I, Ar knows him well too because they played together. We spoke this yep. week, and I'm, I'm listening. Silent to them, killer, man. Like, is this the same Manny I know? Like he's so mature, <laughs> yeah. like he's so grown yeah. up. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. crazy. He's a bucket.
0: Yeah, absolute bucket. And then we had, um we had Kino Colom, who's a world champion with Spain. Amir Prozic, who's a Euroleague champion with Fenerbahce. DJ White, Charlotte Bobcats. Like we had a, we had a squad, and we just couldn't figure it out. You know, everybody wanted to take that next step, even though some of these guys have already been at the top, you know, you have to fight those egos on a daily basis. And, and, uh, we, we wound up missing the playoffs, even though we wound up beating the shit out of teams like Fenerbahce and, you know, and and Beshitash. So I think that, that alludes to the, to the egos and, and, and how much of a concern that is for a coach and and trying to get on the same page. But, um, all in all, it was a great year. I loved all those boys. There's no shots fired, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we each wanted, (laughs) we each wanted to be the leading scorer every night. So.
1: Real nice. Well, we got Jim uh, Rats and Joints here, Dan Gladman, along with Javon Shepard and Andy Routins. And man, I would love to be a fly in the wall on the wall when you guys are talking about the players you're going to be putting on your roster uh, for the Ottawa team this year. You know, the Utah Jazz have the best record in the NBA now at 20 and 5. They have won 16 of their last 17 heading into a game friday versus the milwaukee bucks uh they are top six in points scored and points allowed so they do it on the offensive end and the defensive end andy are are you ready to anoint the jazz as an elite level team in the nba right now
0: absolutely i'm I'm, they're contenders Uh, i i got a little pull quote from quinn snyder he said when you have a team that collectively tries to play a certain way and is committed to that i think that's what we have and to me, that embodies what the NBA isn't right now. It's what the Brooklyn Nets aren't. They don't have that camaraderie. They don't have that chemistry. And Quinn Snyder's been trying to build that up for the last four or five years, and they've been close. Um, and now you have guys like you know Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who are both respectively playing with a lot of fire under their ass because of recent criticism from you know everybody, including the likes of Shaq. You know, I think that coupled with their motivation of you know losing that three to one lead against Denver last year in the postseason. I mean, they, they're out for, they're on a mission right now. And then you have, like you said, Jordan Clarkson, he's up for six man of the year right now, averaging 17, four and two. And Joe Ingles is obviously slinging it, you know, 43 percent from three. So they have they're firing on all cylinders right now um, and they're playing some of the best basketball in the West, barring any injuries. I think that they're contenders.
2: I think that that team has an identity. And yeah, oh yeah. Like you said, AR, that's, you know, polar opposite of the NBA right now where everybody's literally trying to do it, the same thing and just, you know, shoot threes and so forth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Even though, you know, this team is top of the league in, you know, three-point three-point shooting, they also have an inside presence that they utilize. Yeah. Um, you know, Gobert is on both ends, he's he's great and he doesn't look he doesn't he's not looking at that three-point line. Oh, he's right? a double so double machine, man. Yeah. He's he's a double double and he had like shot blocker or, or, you know, presence at the rim on both mm-hmm. ends. And I think that balances out everything that they do on the perimeter because it forces. Mm-hmm. Like when you get Donovan Mitchell, you know, going downhill at the basket, you know, oh, go over. There that you could just toss it up to. That yep. forces defenses to collapse and point, everybody's then. open on the, on the perimeter. Even I could have yep. hit a shot. Shit. <laughs> but that's... <laughs> you do that, like that makes a world of difference. So they've identified. And then again, this team... Hasn't changed much from last year. In fact, mm-hmm. they just added size to back up Gobert. So mm-hmm. you know they've, like I've said, they've, they've, they have an identity. They're, they're sticking to it, and they're rolling, man. Like that's mm-hmm. you have to appreciate it. I hope that revolutionizes the game some more in that you know these teams start to start to understand, hey, we can have our own identity. We can actually Got have it. a traditional big man. We can, yes, we can go inside a bit. We can play. You know, they're. You know, I find like. A lot of the teams right now, and it's not just in the NBA, they're completely negating that the you know a portion of the court, like that uh-huh. mid-range game doesn't exist, like that. there's uh-huh. So it it just it speeds up the game and sends the action just going up and down. But I think it takes away from the game as well.
0: I mean, I, I like I like that Utah is bought
2: in too. You know, these guys didn't try to jump ship
0: um you know they 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 know what's going on in Utah you know that they're all bought in and what's surprising to me though is that how well they're doing without one of their main leaders and Mike Conley because he's always been one of the most underrated players in the NBA at all times year after year never an all-star you know i i couldn't i couldn't wrap my head around that concept and and now they seem like they've they've oddly enough found their footing without him i don't know how you guys feel about that
2: you know what i think it's cuz he's never flashy man like he's always this he's steady cool. steady like, Freddie, man he's steady he's, like yeah he's really steady he's not going to give you the the exciting play but the reality is his teams have always won man they've always I shouldn't yes. say always won they his team have, his teams have always been competitive and they've never been the most talented so that mm-hmm. that that's something that's definitely traveled with him but right. again he doesn't I mean he spent some years in memphis without
0: you know really being a contender himself too so Right, I can understand where you know they might want to change the culture up a bit, you know, given given the ball to to Donovan Mitchell more in that regard.
2: He's well, never that, in that the All Star conversation, but his his paydays has been have been
1: pretty. Um,
2: pretty oh yeah, sweet. they've been solid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they've and been All Star
1: worthy. I was going to bring up Memphis Grizzlies as well because he was part of that team. Um, Marcus, Saul, Zach Randolph. Yeah, I think pushed, I believe they pushed San Antonio Spurs almost to the brink in a western conference finals so mm-hmm. tom w- was on the brink of that you know guys I, I think that your analysis of the jazz is just so spot on and and poignant um and and i i agree with everything you're saying and i could see them as a team in in a 72 game schedule winning 55 56 oh, yeah. 50 games this year I think the question for me with the Jazz is going to boil down to the playoffs and seven-game series, and we saw it last year. They had the 3-1, I believe it was 3-1 over Denver. Let that, mm-hmm. let that slip away. Um, they haven't been to a conference finals, and although they are building that, I love that you said they have an identity. There's no doubt about it. And as good as these players are, Donovan Mitchell at, at, at the top, you know, they don't have a LeBron James. They don't they have, have that superstar Islander. household name. Yeah. And, and at, you know, they don't have Kevin Durant, who we just talked about. And I just I wonder and I pose the question to you in a Western Conference finals scenario. Do they have that guy who can you just give him the ball and he wins the game for you? Okay, question for you guys. Question for you guys <laughs> cuz
2: you just said that you said they didn't they don't have the LeBron, they don't have that that superstar, right? Which is I I totally agree. But and I might be this might be so left field. The San Antonio Spurs, right? Did they have the superstar or did the, were those superstars yeah. created? Tim Duncan was absolutely a superstar for sure. So was it? Was it? Was he a superstar, or was it? Was it a winning culture that turned him into a superstar? It was both. It was. It bold. was bold. I think those yeah.
1: players. I think those players held themselves back a little bit with the benefit. Here is the difference the between them. They didn't act like they were superstars. They just so
0: that was, came to work, the and they were superstars as a byproduct of what they were accomplishing.
1: But I mean, ultimately, though, guys like Tim Duncan is one of the greatest players at his. Oh. Position to ever play the game, right? I just don't think Utah has a historically great player really at any position and they still win. I will, I'll say, I'll say that if you have a group of, you know, right underneath the
0: top tier superstars, if you have a couple of those guys coupled with really hungry role players, I think that might make you more dangerous than having guys that are on the superstar level already expecting to win. Because at the end of the day, you know, they're coming in, they're losing to sub 500 teams on a nightly basis. You know, that just says where their mentals are at. Obviously, you turn it on in the playoffs, but I think they have that extra motivation to go after them to attain that status. So it would be interesting. I'd love to see a Utah type Brooklyn and see how that winds up. That would be a really interesting finals matchup. Cakewalk for Brooklyn.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If Brooklyn gets it together, I mean, by then it it could be Utah, Philadelphia. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen in the trade deadline too. Some interesting yeah. things might happen too. Yeah. We, we, you don't know. Okay. Don't look now, but the Toronto Raptors playing That's in oh. the city of champions, Tampa Bay, where the franchise will officially now play the entire season. That news came out. On Thursday, uh, the Raptors are making their move in the East. Since a horrible two and eight start, they've gone ten and five and have moved all the way up to fifth. They are playing as well as anyone in the East, uh, except maybe Philadelphia and Milwaukee, their old opponents from the championship run in 2019. Only those two teams might be hotter. Uh, the Raptors are six games out of first. All this with OG and an OB sideline since yeah. the 25th of January. I had the Raptors selling the farm after 10 games. I must have inspired them because look at them now. Guys, <laughs> what did the Raptors do to turn things around? They, they tuned into the Jim Rats and Joints podcast. That's what they
0: did. They put that shit in the locker room. <laughs> I did that for years and I'm still doing yeah. it. Yeah. No, I mean, look. I think they're just they're just starting to find the rhythm. You know, they're that's they're two and eight. They've gone ten and five since over the last six. They're averaging one hundred and twenty four points, and they're shooting forty four percent from three. They're just they're finding their rhythm, and you know, I think that they're really starting to fill the holes that they felt from last year's veterans departing. And you know, they're better. They have a better understanding of who's on the floor when and how to play with each unit. Um, you know, I think they could. I think they could still improve. I think they're they're just getting their footing, like I said. And and you know, I think this trade deadline is going to be valuable for them. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But, um, you know, with the removal of Alex Len, I think they opened up the paint a little bit more, and they're starting to play Baines in more sporadic situations. Um, but a guy like you know an Andre Drummond type, you know, who who will solidify it, you know, and, and have be an anchor on defense shot-blocking ability, one of the best rebounders in the league, someone who won't clog the paint and can play above the rim. I think I think they need to make a move uh, for the front court just to solidify it because that was the difference maker for that uh, t- for 2018's championship team, in my opinion.
2: It's it's you know what I think for them that that change came with with just patience and time because I know a lot of people early on thought it was just excuses, but the reality is that this team is actually a young team. You know, and when I say young, I don't mean my age, but in terms of they're really inexperienced. A lot of these guys are just now getting to play some some big minutes or bigger roles, and they had to first learn how to do how to play those roles and not just spot minutes to, you know, back up uh, uh, Ibaka, back up a seasoned um, Gasol. And despite mm-hmm. the fact that Nick Nurse is a, is an NBA champion, despite the fact that he's you know, most wins in franchise history last year in in a season. He inherited a pretty seasoned, a pretty veteran, a pretty mature team to grow on, right? So he's never had the adversity of a young team and and helping them grow. So f- for him, I still say, despite all what he's accomplished, he's young in this sense too. Like this is a this is a, a growing point for him. Um, mm-hmm. And they're finally they're putting it together now. They're piecing it together and they're they're hitting their strides. So I, I think it was just a lot of variables. And then at the end of the day, this is the east. So like anything, mm-hmm. as long as you hit five hundred, you're, 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 you're you have you have some good you shot. have some comfort there. You can you can be comfort there.
1: The way it's there, going you know. right now, you don't even have to be five hundred. You know, yeah. and uh, I I think you you raised uh, a great point. You, and you dropped the name Andre Drummond, and you know you look at it on paper, and he's a guy who would come in, and you know there's fifteen to twenty rebounds a night. And you don't ever, ever have to give him the ball, and and I I do think you know now Toronto can be looking at possibly making a championship run with with the core that they have, and you know in 2019 you you alluded to it, the move was to bring in Mark Gasol. That isn't Andre Drummond. You know Gasol was more you know you, you never really got stats from him but you you got a lot of glue uh, and a lot of uh, leadership on defense and and almost like another coach on the floor. Is there, you know, I I think Drummond, Bradley Beal, to me, those are kind of the obvious names that are going to be available Mm -hmm. as the trade deadline looms. Mm -hmm. Is, is there, is there something else? Is there something maybe a little bit more subtle of a player that they could pick up and also maybe not have to give up as much in return or you know do you have to kind of target a really big name like drummond
0: that's a great question i I mean I'm, i'm i'm stumped for guys at the moment i think that you're gonna have to give up pieces regardless just the way that this trade market has been going you know it's 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 seeming as though you know teams want a major piece plus you know three first round draft picks you know to bring anybody in so I think, you know, that the Raptors are gonna to have to make a move. I don't think that they're championship contenders right now, even though they've turned it around. I think they need a little bit more to get over the hump. And uh, you know, all, hats off to Bobby Webster and and Messiah for all that they've done and 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 Bobby re-signing. I think that's huge for the for the organization. Um, but you know, I, my faith is in them that they'll they'll do the right thing and they'll do do their due diligence to, to bring in a guy to really bolster bolster the roster. Um but uh but yeah, I I it's tough to say. It's tough to say. I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Jared Allen as well. You know, he could be on the move. Um, you know, who's who knows what's going to happen with DeAndre Jordan if they want to keep him around in Brooklyn. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting options, uh, but I think at the end of the day you're going to have to give up pieces, uh, you know, one way or another.
2: Yeah, it's I, I think down the line you you may have to. It just depends on what the long term the short short term is because you know, the reality is, I think you have to have a conversation with Kyle as well, right? Like, he is yeah. a guy that's, does he want the, the the load that he has right now? Like, he still is carrying, a, you know, a lot of weight with this team. Well, the other um, thing in the given room is that he's on the block right now, you know? Right, right. And for for his own career as well, mm-hmm. you know, it can be taxing to be doing having to play at the capacity and carry, you know, as much weight as you are now. If you want to extend mm-hmm. your career... And play, you know, four, five, six more years. Mm-hmm. Maybe you 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 go to a, you opt for a situation where you know you take you take less of a role and just secure surrounded another. By pieces. Yeah, right. Surrounded by pieces, play less minutes and and secure yourself another couple of years with a, a pretty good contract. Mm-hmm. And and that was the same situation with with Gasol and not signing back here. Is that you come back here and there's heavy lifting to do, right? right you opt for a team like L.A. Uh, granted hey you have ad and and lebron there but at the same time he could start the game play 10 minutes and and have done his job yep right yep. and That's so a great point you have to start thinking about about that conversation as well for from both perspectives what's best for an organization and me the player thinking right. hey in terms of my career how can i maximize you know maximize what's left before father time takes over
0: yeah, and not to mention that you know Fred Van Vliet's really coming into his own. You know he's earning every penny of that that eighty million dollar contract right now. Yeah. And, and at some point, you do have to you do have to have a change of the changing of the guard. And I think you know Kyle has done his due diligence in, in grooming Kyle. In, uh, sorry, Fred, into that player. You know, if if he does leave at any given time.
1: Well, I'm looking at the next eight games for Toronto. Uh, they have Boston, two games at Milwaukee, two games versus Philadelphia, and one in Miami. They have my, Minnesota twice. I think they'll win both those games. But of those that. other six against uh, the other beasts of the East, if they win even three of those six, I am convinced uh, the Toronto Raptors are back on track. Okay, it's uh, hashtag T-D-I-T-R-H. This date in Toronto Raptors history, I know I was there. And actually, this is an easy one, and I wasn't there, so cheating a little bit. But I was in my basement apartment in Toronto watching with my buddy Dan Berlin as Vince Carter wins the slam dunk contest with a legendary performance that has not been matched to this day. That's right. It was February 12, 2000, 21 years ago. In Oakland, California. This date in Toronto Raptors history, I know I was there. Hashtag TDITRH on Twitter. Jim Rats and Joints is sponsored by Henderson Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. Speaking of All Star, it looks like the All Star game will go ahead, I believe, on March 7th. Despite many players expressing their reservations about it, we talked last week about whether they should do this or not. But it does look like they're moving forward with it. One idea is that they're going to have the dunk contest at halftime of the All Star Game. Shep, do you like this idea? And if you do, is this something that should stick for years to come? I just don't. I just
2: don't know. What's going on? If COVID is real in America or anything like that, because I don't even understand how we're we're having an All Star game. So, but
0: once we get through that, um, I mean, if you saw the Buccaneers uh, Super Bowl celebration, you realize that man, nothing matters in America.
2: <laughs> there is no man. virus anymore. Even before we got there, that the stadium looked like it was at capacity. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. But I mean, if they're gonna go forward, I guess they have protocols in order. Um, I think. Dunk contest at the halftime. No, let's let's keep some normalcy to this thing going forward. And you know that weekend, people, it was a, it was like, a, it was a festival pretty much. And just having you know splitting up the weekend, you could have you look forward to the dunk contest Friday night or Saturday night, and had your game on Sunday. I think you know keep it like that, man. I don't get this crunching everything into one, but yeah. Um, I mean, for where we're at, sure. I mean, if, if they have to have it i would probably have opted to give guys rest and so forth like that but i mean it is the nba there they do have to recoup some money and we do have to get back to some normalcy so i guess this is a step in that direction to say hey Mm -hmm. we're trotting along if and if anything i guess it gives us some hope that i mean we'll we'll get back to some normalcy here in canada as well Mm -hmm. at some point Mm -hmm. if that's any inclination or direction
0: Yeah, yeah. The last person I want to be right now is Adam Silver, honestly. I mean, making all these decisions, trying to balance a business with, you know, the human side of of the NBA. But realistically, I think that the All-Star Weekend in general is just a terrible idea in and of itself. And I think the dunk contest is an even worse idea (laughs) for, like you got to think about what the dunk contest is. It's fan engagement is the driving factor, you know, not only for the players themselves who get hyped up and and have people to show out for, but also for the judges, you know, they base a lot of their score on raw crowd reactions too. Um, And I just think that in the past, you know, the dunk contest has been a little bit lackluster. There's been a couple great ones recently with Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. Um, But before that, it was the dying art. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember watching it, but it was it, it was it was pretty sad. You know, a lot of guys didn't even get hyped up to dunk. So I can only imagine what this is going to look like.
1: Yeah, I I, I, don't, know. I don't know. I mean, I, I mentioned the Vince Carter dunk contest in 2000. I don't think anything has come even close to that. Oh, come on, DG. Come on. Come on to Vince. In toro- In Toronto. Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon was one of the best
0: dunk contests I since don't Jordan know, I, 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 don't know. I don't know. I don't mean, know, man. When Vince Vince was like when Vince, Vince did, was
1: classic, but he was he was the sole star in that show. He 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 solidified okay. his legend and, during that dunk contest. And AR know, This is where you guys are the youngins here. I used to watch the Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins. Spud you Red. used to. I was watching that in my diapers. I, that, okay, those are <laughs> that those are mainstays like, in the dunk. That that is yeah. the absolute pinnacle of of yeah. the dunk contest, and I just I don't you know. All it's not just that those were the best dunkers, but you know they were also the best players too, yeah, and I, and the biggest stars in the league. And just at some point, if the dunk contest, you know, it doesn't have LeBron, it doesn't have. Kevin Durant or wh- whoever amongst these top notch players, I I I I just I don't know. Like I, I don't even know who would be the favorite this year because again to me it's it's Zach Levine and, and Aaron Gordon. I, I don't yeah. even know who else is in that class.
0: Fair enough. I mean, if you're gonna compare Apps to Apples, like obviously nobody's gonna compare to the star the stars that Jordan and Wilkins were, but I think the league has just it's evolved into this freakishly athletic nature. And now you're seeing guys like Zion. You know, I, I would love to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Zion, come on. Like, he's yes. he's an absolute specimen. Listen, so I'd like to see You guys him. are
2: tripping right now. I'm looking at this Vince <laughs> Carter dunk again right now, and I'm getting yeah. hyped just yeah. watching. when Oh, he, no. He, don't get me did, wrong. It was an absolute game I think changer. it's come close. No. When why? he did that 360 windmill, and he almost went 720, and then windmilled it, and it hit the ground and popped back right, up. Guys. And then all you see is Shaq and KG getting hype in the corner. <laughs> I almost okay. lost it. Everybody was losing it when Jordan took off a
0: little bit inside the free throw line. Okay? Zach Levine took off from the free throw line and put it between his legs. Aaron Gordon took the okay. ball from a okay. little okay. scooter okay. mascot on a 360. And this guy is six ten. He jumped over this man. Like you have to give them. I'm biased. Their... I'm just not an Aaron
2: Gordon fan. I think I'm, I'm not either. Not a fan. I'm not
0: either. I think he's a supreme waste of talent. I really do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but they're, they're good dunkers, okay. But they're good dunkers, sure. But, but I'm
1: looking like, at. I don't even. Re- I don't even remember who won or who didn't win. I just know they were the two superior dunkers. Did they Fair split? But we back. could
2: also be biased because it's it was Vince was in a Toronto jersey. Not if this was a Nets jersey. If this was a Lakers jersey would it still mm. hit the same way. We nah, was? nah, those dunks are so. iconic. Iconic. I
1: think. Iconic. I, okay. I think the, yeah, I, I. think the Vince he could have been wearing. Uh... No, I just want to hear. <laughs> I just want to hear you
0: guys it. He could have been a Sprite invitee, and he still would have taken home the cup. You know, <laughs> Sprite. Okay, I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see Obi Toppin. I think there's a new wave. I think they would g- really garner some interest if they went young this year. You know, like really showed off the young new talent. Those are the only guys that are really going to want to do it anyway. I would say Miles Bridges. He's been throwing everything down this season. RJ Hampton with a banger last night. I don't know if you guys caught it on the fast break, but he put Chetty Osmond in the rim. Uh, and John Moran. I'd love to see John Moran up there. He's one of the most effortless jumpers in the entire league. Um, let's see what some of these young guys can do.
1: Okay, um, Andy Brown. I used to be a
2: big John? fan. Of, I used to be a big fan of John. Yay! Hey! Hey! Josh so small, man. Like I used to be a big fan. of Was I thought he would have been like, he's. Iverson I don't know 2. if he 0. can, if he can, if he can. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if he's gonna be able to sustain this over his career because he gets, he gets hit to the ground quite oh, some. He takes legs sometimes. He takes a lot of yeah, hits. yeah. But okay. yeah, and then you you touched on Miles Bridges. That team, that Charlotte team is fun to watch. That, I'm that, telling um, you,
0: they're a sleeper team in the East. Sleeper. Yeah, they. Oh. They're fun
2: to watch, man, and, and it happened like this with uh, what's his name? I what's saw
0: name? Nick Young say that Melo was already a top ten. Well, this is coming from Nick Young, but he was already a top ten point guard in the league already. I don't I know. How not feel
2: like that. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised it's coming from Nick Young because he likes the Flash, and both of them are flashy. <laughs>
1: he likes stirring the pot for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets. That was called a long time ago by our Javon Shepard in in the summer, who said they'd be in the playoff mix. I don't know if I believed him, but he was right. Um, speaking of the East, and, and we mentioned this, you know only four teams in the Eastern Conference right now, we're still only 25, 26 games in, but only four teams are at 500 or above. And I, I want to ask you, is this a problem or is this a good thing that there's so much parity in the NBA this year? Because th- this really has never been a league of too much parity and and we 're seeing it now, and you 're going to have maybe one or two teams sneak into the playoffs under five hundred, Shep, do you consider this a good thing, not a good thing, or are you totally indifferent uh, i'm indifferent i'm indifferent I think
2: with the the play in too that's going to change a lot of things because that that gives that could give a team that falls below five hundred um, an opportunity to and make a run. Um, and obviously, we we've see, we see what can happen. Like, look at last year. Look at um, what's the team? Miami. They call Miami. They weren't obviously they they weren't in the playing. But if a team hits, you know, some momentum like them, or how Phoenix ended off the season in the bubble, mm-hmm. that could change some things, right? And that could roll over into a playoff team, and 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 so forth. So it'll be interesting, man. I think you know a lot of with just the format changing, it's not what we're used to. But it's gonna it's gonna change the way things end up, right? But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I think the best team will prevail. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I think we're seeing right now that teams
0: are just doing what they have to do to manage and hover around 500 per majority of the season. And then once that playoff picture starts to shape up, they'll kick it into overdrive. But to me, in watching a lot of the games, you know, being an avid fan of the game and, and checking games out every night, there's a general feeling of, of apathy towards the season, like all these blowout wins, you know, the regular COVID testing and confusion that's associated with it. Um, you know, bubbling on the road. These guys are just, to me, this season is not about load management, you know, as it, as it, as it was before it's about mental management. And and I think that, you know, the coaches are well aware of that. I think the organizations are well aware of that and, and where it's going to lead to. And they're just trying to keep guys on the, on the sane and straight and narrows until we get to that playoff picture. And, and then we'll start seeing like the basketball that, that, we're used to seeing, in my opinion.
1: Great stuff, guys. And I, I want to go back in again in, into your careers. You know, Andy, first, Big East Conference. Uh, you, you played in the Big East for three, four, I think you mm-hmm. were five years. You played mm-hmm. so many years in Europe. Have you ever been involved? In, you know, the, you ask the athletes about, have you looked, have you seen what's being written in the paper? Have you, mm-hmm. are you following the standings? And they tend to say, I don't, follow that stuff. But hmm. have you ever been involved in a situation where the standings were so close on a day-to-day basis that you really had to follow it closer than you normally would? Yes.
0: Yes. I need to okay, I need to really air some air some laundry. Okay, 2006 2006-2007, we went 24 and 11 overall. You know, Renzo Onoaku went down with an injury. We lost Eric Devendorf. We finished 10 and 6 in the Big East. And this is when the Big East was the Big East. Like every single game was a top 15 opponent, Georgetown, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Notre Dame. Uh, we finished right behind Notre Dame at five in the conference, and we wound up going to the NIT. Um, all, wow. all four teams above us made it to the NCAA tournament. How is right. So we were at Coach Boeheim's house for the NCAA tournament party. party, And after they announced the second one seed of the Midwest, he just took off. He was nowhere to be found, and that's when everybody knew, shit, we're, <laughs> we're in some trouble. So he wound up you know, setting up phone calls with ESPN, CBS, you know, all the major networks to plead his case. And then ultimately we wound up vacating 22 of those wins for use of ineligible players. So that one, uh, that one is uh, always going to stay with me. I think that that still burns a little bit, having gone through the NIT and not maximizing our potential uh, for a good season in the big East.
1: Interesting. How I feel, I
2: feel like every season, you know, players have the same the same conversation and coaches have the same conversation. Man, we're one win away from this. We're one win yeah. one, one away from that. I remember my one year in in Italy. I was mm-hmm. at Raiser. AR played for Raiser for Parisa too. Yeah, And I had left Raiser and went to Pesaro. Now, when I got to Pesaro, they were on the brink of being relegated. They were yeah. w- maybe they were like one and seven or whatever. So, they brought I, they brought me in. They brought Samaje Christian in. He played for Oklahoma a bit. Um, Trevor Lacey plays. He plays in Europe. And for the whole year, we we're just digging it from the mud, just climbing, scratching, clawing to get you know just get out of that position because it, in the yep. event we end the season anywhere near the bottom, yeah, we're we're you guys, a, you guys needed that Danny Harris ball. injection, man. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Ar, this is the crazy part. So we got there. The team was already dead last with nowhere near being, you know, yep. second last. Yep. We we ran off some wins. We beat we, we beat Milan, we beat Sasry. At the time, wins. those are the those are league teams those at that yeah. at, at that time. But because we got there and were so far behind, that uh-huh. gap wasn't closing at all. No. But of course, we just yeah. got there, bro. They're kicking our asses, giving us all this this heat, all this pressure. I'm like, Guys, you don't realize you just won we five. We didn't start
0: the season with you. We we're saving you.
2: you. <laughs> we won five in a row. We're, we're closing yeah. the gap, yeah, but slowly. Yeah. But no, like come down to the end of the season, it was one. We had one win. We had to. We had to win a game, and like uh-huh. three other teams, we are three other had teams to had lose. to lose. Mm-hmm. And with that, it just ended up happening. Every all the right things happened, so we went from last on the very last game. Uh-huh. went from last to, like, ninth or something. That was right uh, outside the, the playoff. Season. You guys must have partied. Not only save the season, that. but now you start thinking about, shit, we lost one game Maybe. and could have been in the playoff. Yeah. And they added some crazy bonuses that year. Oh, yeah. I imagine
0: the incentives were up there.
2: But that just goes to show you how, like, the standings, everybody's one game away, and then when it, when it, when the – when the record is, records are tied and it goes to points mm-hmm. and yeah. point differential. So, yeah, no, that's a
0: scary place to be, man. And, and I, I'm, I find that Pizarro is always in that situation.
2: Always. Yeah. Always. Always there. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. All right. L- love the anecdotes from your, from your careers, college and pros, guys. L- love the stuff. Um, in that conversation, I feel like we nudged on the Miami Heat – They've won three in a row now after hitting bottom at seven and fourteen. Jimmy Butler's back. They seem to be back in gear. They're only a game out of eighth, and of course, only seven and a half games out of first. It is is the regular season now, and maybe this was the case for them last year, so why not why not do it again this year? Is is the regular season more of a training session for the Miami Heat? As they prepare for another playoff run, I just
2: know when you have the Pat Riley pedigree, nothing's ever out of reach, right? And these guys, as well as Eric Spolcher, they're always going to be prepared, and they they go through some of the most rigorous training. So you know that their guys are are bought in. But um, it's you know being that they're in the East again, if they can like you know continue to string out some wins, they'll be okay, man. They'll be okay, and they have a competitor. In Jimmy Butler, when you have somebody that has that compete level and that personality that's infectious to your teammates, you you you'll be you'll be all right. You're in a good position. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, I mean, it's a team that, that's been here before. Like you said, last year they weren't in playoff contention, and they go to the finals. So it's they're comfortable in this space. Not that they want to be there. I think they're they're a group of winners, and they seem like a group collectively of guys that are, have cool heads. You know, the Duncan Robinsons, I think, you know, the Tyler Heroes, they're they're mature beyond their years. And I think having a vet who wants to win in Jimmy Butler, uh, and who's kind of guiding those young guys, they're all bought in. I think that once they get once they get this thing figured out, you know, Spo Spo gets to doing what Spo does, you know, they're gonna be they're gonna be in contention to uh make a run at the Eastern Conference Finals again. Um and I think that their season is not, you know, that their roster is not complete for the year either. I think this trade deadline is going to be crucial for them. A lot of people have eyes on, you know, the guys that were stars last year in the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out for them.
1: I mean, yeah, when we talk about, you know, an, an Andre Drummond or a Bradley mm-hmm. Beal or, or whoever's out there that could be available, you know, the, the Miami Heat are in those conversations as well. You know, there was a, a oh, yeah. point earlier in the year where, where Harden might have been in there, you know, and with uh, the situation that's happened in Indiana, you know, Oladipo's gone to Houston and Karis Levert has the the kidney issue and isn't playing. And I think the, the Pacers, although I, I like their roster and you got to like what Sabonis is doing, they're, they're really sputtering right now. And M- Miami, um, kind of like we've seen the surge with Toronto, you know, Toronto goes 10-5 and five and they go basically from 12th to 5th and you know, all Miami really has to do is string together. You know, they're at three straight wins now. If they get to six, they're they're right back in the playoff race. And earlier, Shep said no one wants to play Brooklyn uh, in the East playoffs. I don't think anybody wants to play uh, Miami. Uh, okay, one one last topic. I'll play Milwaukee though. I'll play Milwaukee. Oh.
0: You'll play Milwaukee. Everybody,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't Give me Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee just doesn't scared that. of Milwaukee in the playoffs. Yeah. They yeah. don't they intimidate like some of these other teams because they don't have a killer. You know, they don't they don't have they don't, do you, they don't have did Durant. You see,
0: uh, did you see Devin Booker saying that how comfortable they were with uh, Giannis taking the last shot there? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he, he felt supremely confident in giving Giannis a 16 footer for the game. I mean, rightfully so. You know, at the end of the day, he doesn't have that. Like you said, he doesn't have that killer instinct in him to to finish a game.
1: It's just I, I don't. And Ted taking the last shot in a close game. I, I'll, I'll take my chances. I, you know, he's not he's not Durant or Kyrie Irving. I, I'd I'd rather Fred Van Vliet taking that shot. Yes. I'd rather uh, Jimmy Butler. You know, and, and Tadakumbo just great player. But you know, in the in the throes of a close game in the playoffs, just not the most intimidating inti- intimidating uh, factor there. Guys, uh, running out of time. One last topic: uh, the Nuggets. Thirteen and 7th place. I expected more from this team in this regular season. Uh, wholly based on what we saw in the playoffs last year, are they gonna are they gonna turn it around? And and will they be in a position in a, in a Western Conference that probably is even deeper this year than it was last year? At least in that top four with the two LA teams and now Utah. Um, is it fair to have the same expectations that the Nuggets' season is going to end similar to how it was last year?
2: I think with them, it's they they got in a rhythm. Murray was playing a playing really well last year, but I, I don't see them having the bang that they did last year, right? Because again, I think this game is a lot of more confidence than anything, and I don't know if they have the confidence that they. They have last year, right? Sometimes when you get hot, you just get hot. And it's hard to really stop people in, or teams, for that matter, once they, they get into that rhythm. And then I think more than anything, losing Jeremy Grant was a big loss. It was a, it was a huge hit he's to that balling team. right now. Yeah, he's balling out. And sometimes you need that guy that is almost like a utility guy, but he has enough tools that he can impact whether it be scoring whether it be rebounds whether it be defending and he did all of those at such a high high rate I don't even think they appreciated him enough so that's to me the the, I think the biggest difference with that team is that loss right there Hmm. yeah I mean look they're six and four in their last
0: 10 Um, I think as long as you have Jokic having an MVP caliber season and you have Jamal Murray waiting in the wings that that you're gonna have a shot um, like you said DG like the west is ultra competitive right now um so it's going to be a tight race but you know with Mikey Moe at the helm like i think there's nothing that he's not doing uh to try to get this get this thing right and, and try to bring back that fire that they had uh last season to make that playoff run so um as long as they get those boys you know go on track and 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 get them to feeling like themselves i think they'll be okay uh, but yeah, I mean, losing, losing, uh, losing a guy like that—you know, a key role player for them has hurt them significantly, uh, and they, they're having trouble making shots down the stretch. And I watched their game against San Antonio on Monday, and you know, Jamal Murray just couldn't couldn't find his legs, couldn't find his shot. And uh, I think part of that is just due to the rhythm of the season. And hopefully, they come around, and I, I think they'll be—I think they'll be in the playoff picture regardless, though. Hey,
2: AR, hey, uh, before before DG wraps us up, do you yeah. remember that somebody in here had Luka Doncic as? The MVP of the season. I do remember that. I, I don't know who it was. A though.
1: favorite, and so did Las Vegas. I didn't say – we didn't say any names. We didn't say any names. And that's all. That's all for the show. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who the name is when the when the brain trust of the Ottawa Blackjacks teams up on me. Well, that, like, like Shep was getting to, that is going to wrap up this episode of Jim Rats and Joints. Remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Yelp, I don't know, Airbnb, wherever podcasts are given <laughs> away for free. Rate us. Thanks to our producer extraordinaire, Dan Wong. Follow him on social at Dan Wong Says. Javon Shepard, the general manager of the Ottawa Blackjacks, is on Twitter and Instagram at Javon Shepard. Congrats to him and his team, by the way, for some great hires in the past week. Including Patrick Ewing Jr., who will be an assistant coach. Javon's assistant GM Andy Routens, is on Instagram at Andy Routins. My name is Dan Gladman, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DG on the road. Jim Rats and Joints is on Twitter at Jim Ratz Podcast. We're going to take a break in the action next week, so we'll be back in a couple. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then.